0: Scripture reading this morning is found in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Would you turn there with me? If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers do have a Bible available. To you raise your hand, they'll bring a Bible that you can use throughout the service this morning. let all stand in respect to the reading then of God's Word. Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14. giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. May God give us understanding and clarity from his word this morning. Let's take some time to pray. I'm going to ask you if you would remain standing with me and bow your heads in a moment of prayer. After prayer, choir will come with a song and then the preaching of God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come here today. We thank you for this time where we can worship. We can look into your word, and we pray that you would lead and guide us through this time of worship. We pray that you would cleanse us of sin so that we can worship with true hearts we pray that you would open our eyes to, to understand and receive your truth and to live it out give us a heart to desire to walk pleasing do those things that are pleasing to you and bring glory to you we do pray for those as a part of this fellowship Lord who are suffering for whether from illness and sickness or health issues um, we pray for michelle and malachi this morning who are not feeling well we just pray that you would watch over and bless them we thank you for your health and strength during the week for those who are recovering from different uh, ailments you think of jeremy and and we pray this morning for for mickey and um, just her cold and, and the problem that is she's having with her, her voice and, and talking and singing in that way. So we pray that you would just bring a uh, healing. We pray for her husband as well, Lord. We pray that you would um, watch over him and that you would um, help him with his legs, with his knees, and, and give relief to him. We also pray for my dad, Lord, and thanking you for um, just ministering to him while he's in the hospital. We thank you, Lord, that um, although we thought he may have had a stroke, it wasn't a stroke, but that you are with him, you are watching over him, and we just pray, continue to pray for him. As we mentioned on Wednesday, Lord, we pray, yes, we pray for comfort and that you would take away um, pain and, and suffering, but we pray that your will be done and you would have him as he goes through this to bring glory to you as we pray for him that we might bring glory to you my mom as she ministers to him that she might bring glory to you it's a joy to see the results lord sometimes of a family coming together even for these kind of situations and recognizing lord that your gospel is ministering to those who uh, see to him even though they don't know christ they are hearing and seeing the gospel this is our prayer lord that that uh, those who don't know Christ will come to Christ and those who know Christ will be strengthened, encouraged, and uh, um, be challenged to live a life that brings glory to you. Bless this service today, the preaching of your word. Be with me, Lord. Hide me behind the cross that, that those who hear might hear the gospel. Yes, coming from a man who, who has been redeemed, who has been saved by this very gospel. Uh, But seeing the work that is you, Lord, and knowing, Lord, that you can do that same work in each and every life. And may we be open to you working in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. to our series in Colossians today. We spent a little bit between Father's Day and a time off uh, with Brian speaking the previous week that uh, we've we got it started and now we jump back into it. And so we get started right here in chapter 1 of Colossians. It is To me it is always good to study the Word of God um as it is written study it as a complete unit to study it as a book and so this is the first time in in uh many years of preaching that i've actually gone through colossians i've gone through several several of the uh, um, other books of the bible old testament and new but colossians for the first time today or this time so let's take a look we read verses 1 through 14 and we, we see basically two things, or two main points in these first couple of verses. Well, the greeting is in verse 1, and just like any letter, he tells us who is writing and who he's writing to, and he gives a cordial greeting. But it's more than just a cordial greeting, because we see, as he mentions, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. And he begins to emphasize what's going to be emphasized throughout this letter, those who... Um, who have trusted in Christ are listed as in Christ. And so it is Christ who is the center of everything. Uh, he's the center of everything. I was going to say just to us as believers, but it's not just to us as believers. It's, it's to the whole creation, all of his creation. He is center too. Whether you know him and trust him or not, he's still a center. And so you would do well to to know him and come in relationship with him because everything is about him. and That's the, the, one of the central thoughts here in this book. And so he says in his greeting to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. He's speaking to a group of people in this city of Colossae and to this church there. And he says to them, grace to you and peace from God our Father. It's a common greeting in Paul's letter but it's not just tacked on. Grace, you cannot speak of grace outside of what God provides to us that we might have relationship with Him. That's what grace is all about. It is the fact that God made possible for us to be united with Him through and only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that grace we can have peace with God. And so he mentions both of those together. Grace and peace to you. It's interesting that in the world, in our society today, we see abundance of talk about peace. We see abundance of talk about grace or or what will be derived from grace, but they have no idea what the source is. Grace comes only from God, and not just God in general, but because God the Father has set his son to be the payment for our sin, grace is possible, only possible, because of what God has done through Christ. And therefore, peace comes only by God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he gets into the, the, point, the two points in this first section. He gives thanks... In a prayer for these individuals, and so uh, uh, first we will see his his thankfulness, what it is he is thankful for, and then we see what his request is, or what he is praying for. So those are the two things that we'll be looking at uh, today. Paul is is so deep in his speech that you have to unravel what he says and and, kind of take it out and digest it. And so as you go through what he's saying, uh, we're going to to, to, to kind of do that kind of like an onion, peeling back the layers so you get what he's saying. For instance, in verse 3, we always thank God. He says that. And he begins to list things that, th- that he thanks God for. And when he lists one, he goes off almost to a subset and lists other things under that thing and comes back to another main point and lists things under that thing and comes back to another main point and lists things under that thing. For instance, he says, we always thank God. Then he mentions who God is. And notice what he does. He mentions who who God is in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because we today in our society want to link all religions together as worshiping one God or worshiping the same God. That simply is not true. He provides the proper thinking and a way of, 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 of acknowledging who God is in His reality. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other God besides this God who is Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you don't want to to picture... and and in your definition, think of God in his connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not really talking about God. You're talking about a figment of your imagination, a figment of your imagination that you have made up to, to dream up as God that is not the God of the Bible. This God of the Bible is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he mentions Christ as Lord and Jesus. So this Christ, who is the Messiah, who is, is, is God's people, is a hope to God's people. That's what Messiah means. He is the Jesus who was born and lived as a human being. And this Jesus is Lord. In other words, he is sovereign over all that is God's. That's a powerful statement of who Jesus is and his connection to God the Father. So as he begins to express that, he says, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You see what I mean about Paul? He gets deep into one thing, and then he kind of hasn't even finished saying what he's saying, and, and, and my mind is just not as strong as Paul, so I, I, I get caught on that first thing he says, and he's going on to something else, and I'm still thinking about that but he wants us to realize how how deep God is and how awesome it is to communicate his truth we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints let me pause there he begins to thank God and he, he mentions what he's thankful for he's thankful for their faith. And notice how he mentions their faith. He's teaching us something about faith. He's saying faith is evident by this thing. This is the, this is the, the, the evidence. This is how you know, or this is what you show, what shows or what reveals real, genuine, and true faith. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. True faith is linked to this love. It's linked to a love for God the Father, yes. It's linked to a love for that which belongs to God. And mainly he's talking about the saints, other believers, those who are in Christ. He says to this group of believers, I recognize your faith because I see it with the love you have for others who trust in Christ. Those go together, and, and it's not unique to what Paul is saying. Jesus mentioned that if we care to turn back to John chapter 14, John 14, verse 34, Jesus says this. Are you with me? Some of you are. John fourteen thirty four. he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So the first step, he says there, is that I want to show you something new. I want you to love one another. And this is not really new. It's not really unique. It's not really different. And in the next verse, he explains why it's not really new, unique, and different. It's because it's an identifier. In verse 35, he says this, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, he's saying this is what others will see and recognize that you are who you say that you are. You are truly a disciple of Christ if, in fact, you have this kind of love for one another. That's why practical application. That's why you don't have to make believers come to church. What you do is, is you encourage them to do what's right. And because they love God, they love God's people, they want to be gathered where God's people are gathered. And so if you're asking yourself, am I truly a believer, you need to ask yourself, do I love God? Do I love God's people? And are those more than just words? Are they actually a part of my living? Is it a part of my existence? Is it a part of my DNA? Is it a part of what I do and what I am about? So he's saying, descriptively, this describes who you really are, and he's also saying, admonishingly, in an admonishing way or teaching way is you ought to continue to live like this. As believers, this is what believers do. Keep on doing this. Do this more and more and you will be living like true believers live. Love one another. So he's saying is that we care for one another. We have a genuine, because we love God, we have a genuine connection with each other. Now some people are are bothered sometimes by by coming into a small church. sweet communion is 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 you know I would say a, a, a relatively small church and, and 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 sometimes, as a pastor, I have to encourage people look in in, in a small church, you don't hide, you can't hide, you see. Um, and, and sometimes people want to hide. They want to kind of be on, on the outskirts or be, be behind the scenes so, so that they don't get a whole lot of attention. And, and that's just impossible. <laughs> it's not going to happen at Sweet Communion. You're going to get noticed. You're, you're gonna. In other words, if you're here, you're going to be connected or at least expected to be connected in a real way with God's people. So you can't say you love me. And then shut your life off from me. It don't work like that, does it? I can't, I can't do that with Donna. Right? Oh, baby, I love you, but, you know, I need some time to myself. People do that all the time. It's, it's, it's fake. It's phony. It's not real expression of love. Because we are connected Because we love each other, we are truly connected with each other. And so we share in each other's lives. We share concern for each other. We share lives together. And so he says this about those believers. He says, when I heard of your faith and the love that you have for all the saints. Let me go on and talk a little bit more in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to turn to 1 John. Uh we'll talk about love as an identifier, that it shows us for who we are. And it's not it's not like a um, it's not like an option. Try to love the saints as much as possible. Um, He doesn't give it as an option. You will kind of have a love for the saints. He says, no, you will love the people of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, listen to this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So he's talking about loving uh, each other in 1st John chapter 3 verse 10 he says this by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother that's just some very practical uh, uh, teaching he said you can tell true followers of Christ Those who do what Christ says and love those who belong to Christ. Very simple, very straightforward. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, he says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So he's saying you practice that. That is something that is a part of us as being connected to God. I think I have one more. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. He says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. He's saying, you're in a family. God is your Father. He brought you into life, into existence, and you're going to love all His other kids too. that's a part of being connected in the family. Yes, we learn how to, to display that love and learn how to work together. And sometimes we even struggle with that. But he's saying a part of being a believer is a love. I was going to say a natural, but it's more than natural. It is a supernatural. In other words, given by the Spirit to us to love for one another. Ask yourself, how am I connected with other believers here in in sweet communion. How am I connected? Let's let's ask that another way. How am I connecting myself with others? How am I open and receiving to them and working at at working into their lives? That's something that we have to work on. It's something that we have to practice. How am I connected with the believers? Do I just come here on on Sunday morning once in a while and and leave out the door and walk out? Or do I seek to to, to be a part? Do I connect myself in meaningful ways? Do I allow others to get to know me and me to get to know them? Am I actually fostering a relationship with them? Or do I shy away from that? And sometimes we shy away um, um, because... We, we're afraid. We, we, we're afraid of getting too close to God. We're, we're afraid of people getting too close to us. But God says this, if, if I brought you into existence, then one of the things you will have, like the believers at Colossae, is that you will have a love for the brothers. Notice what else he says, going back to Colossians chapter 1. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now here's Paul talking. He says, of this, he's speaking of that hope, of this hope, <laughs> you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. And he's, so he, he says, you have this hope. This hope, uh, uh, um, you learned about this hope through the gospel. And then he starts talking about the gospel itself. This gospel, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So there's, there's a lot of words in there, isn't it? it, it and he's kind of he's weaving all of this thought there, but we need, to, we need to, um, to take it apart and digest it. So he talks about this hope that believers have. It's hope, it says, laid up for you in heaven. Hope can be spoken of as as, um, what we're resting in, what it is that that we trust in, uh, what we look forward to. And he's saying this hope, that we have is something that nobody else can disturb because it's laid up for us in heaven. What we're trusting in cannot be taken away from us, but is given by us, given to us by God and cannot be disturbed. That's encouraging. Uh, how did this hope come to us? He says it came from hearing the gospel. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Notice what he speaks of as the gospel. He says the word of truth. He also says something about the gospel that is very, very important. He says the characteristics of this gospel that brought you hope. He mentions two things. They're very similar, but it's two things. He's saying this is how the gospel function. It bears fruit and is increasing. It bears fruit, in verse 6, and is increasing. So he says "This, this gospel, this message, this powerful message that comes from God that speaks to us of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that bears fruit and increases. I thank God for that. He's saying that this gospel is still working today. He's saying in his day as he spoke it, it was effective. It had brought them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was still bearing fruit. In other words, it was producing something, and it was growing as it did that. He ties, well, I'll get to that when I get to verse 10, he ties us to that same two things that we, since we are a product of the gospel, will continue to grow. And we will continue to bear fruit. That's that's what the work of the gospel does. Let's get to that in in just a moment. He, he, again, in verse 6, As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He said this gospel is effective. It bears fruit and it grows. He's also saying this, is that this gospel comes by a human agent. This gospel was sent to you by a human being. Paul was not the one who started the church at Colossae, but there was another individual, and he mentions it, Epaphras, short for Epaphroditus. Verse 7, you learned it from, Epaphroditus. That's interesting. He says, you learn this gospel from another human being. It always always intrigues me that this powerful message that God has entrusted with individuals like you and me to speak it to someone else so that it might bear fruit and increase in their life as well. God didn't do it through magic. He didn't do it through angels. He didn't do it Uh, uh, by his spirit alone, but he's done it through human beings, and Epaphras was one of them, and you are one as well. And he said, this gospel has gone out later, he says, has impacted the whole world of his day, but it's done that a person at a time. I want you to recognize that God wants to use you as a messenger of of the gospel like he uses Epaphras here. Notice he says about Epaphras, you learned it from Epaphras. He mentions about Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Paul is practicing what he's preached. He says, I love Epaphras. I love what he's doing. He, he's a brother of mine. Beloved. I love him. And he says he's a fellow servant. I count him with me. He's one Who's, who's surrendered his life and yields his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We say that word, Lord Jesus Christ, so quickly, and, and we worship so often. We need to recognize what we mean when we say it, that he is Lord and I am servant. That's what he's saying, that I do as he commands. You know, some people treat Christianity, God, like a genie. Like, God, today, you my good luck charm. I'm applying for this job, so I'm going to look at a verse of Scripture, and I'm going to say a prayer, and I hope God to give me this job. In other words, God is simply there to serve me and, 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 and give me the, the things I want and the things that I need. Now, God takes care of his people. But that mindset is a a wrong and a distorted mindset. Paul says, this fellow brother of mine is a servant like me of the Lord Jesus Christ. He recognized that when Jesus has done something to me or for me, and he's done all these things for me, that I rightfully belong to him. He is Lord and master in my life, and I am his servant see that's not a demeaning way to look at it it's 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 one of ownership God I belong to him and he directs my path so he says that verse he also says he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf he's he's faithful in doing what God has asked him to do and you've benefited from that he's given you the gospel there are people who need the gospel that we come in contact with in our lives we need to be faithful in living before them and giving the gospel it's, it's the one thing that, that makes me shudder to recognize that my testimony and my life is significant and important because there's other people that's watching me Your testimony in your life is significant and important. In other words, you can't can't allow yourself to get down. You can't allow yourself to to, to get trapped in by sin, by the things of this life, so that your ministry and your impact uh, with others is diminished. You can't allow that to happen because God uses people like you and me to get the gospel out to others and the others that need to hear and see that gospel. Verse 9, or verse 8, he says, Notice what Epaphras did. He ministers the gospel to them, and he also brought news of them to Paul and his team. Verse 8 says, And... Has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So he was communicating how they were doing to Paul. And Paul needed to hear that. Paul wanted to hear that. And it was encouragement to Paul. Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So up to this point, he says we pray, but he didn't say what he's praying for. He said what he's been thankful for to them, but now he begins to say what he is praying for for them. Verse 9. We do not, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul simply asked for two things for them in his prayer. He asked that they be filled with wisdom and understanding, and he asked that they be strengthened. The first thing, that they be filled with wisdom and understanding. Why? what he want them to be filled with wisdom and understanding. And first of all, understand what this is. This wisdom and understanding is not just to have his, have their heads bloated with knowledge. A lot of people think that, um, that they need to, to to understand all of the Bible so that they can impress others with their knowledge of the Bible. That's not what this knowledge is. In fact, he says, be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The word spiritual um, then defines what kind of wisdom and understanding is. it is. And spiritual simply means from the spirit. The Holy Spirit then gives, it is that wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. You ain't gonna get it at school. <laughs> You're gonna get it from the Holy Spirit teaching and ministering to you as you live a life that's pleasing to him. In fact, what it does is it allows you and enables you to do that. Look at verse 10. So as to, and that's important, the purpose of this wisdom and understanding is so that you might, verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The word walk simply means your way of living, and how you conduct yourself. That you might live in such a way that brings, ple- that, that pleases the Lord. You live in such a way that He desires. And so, this wisdom and this understanding is, is to assist each believer in living a life that's pleasing to God. Notice what else He says. When this happens, what will happen in our lives? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, doesn't that ring a bell? Talk talks about bearing fruit and increasing. Remember that in verse 6? He says this is what the gospel does. The gospel is doing this right now, and that's why I'm saying it's encouraging to me because sometimes we, we get in, in a church here in Milwaukee, and we wonder are we having any impact anywhere on anybody? And, and, and the truth is, well, you're here, so we're having an impact, praise God. And, and the truth is, Milwaukee's still standing, yes. And so we still have an opportunity and we still have an impact. Not just we as Sweet communion, but all of God's people that are doing the same thing. And so we. what's encouraging to me is that God says that his gospel... Is, is, is bearing fruit and increasing. It is accomplishing all that he intended and intends for it to accomplish. That is to bring lost souls to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing that through people like Epaphras. He's doing that through you and through me as we live and as we speak his truth. And what he's saying is those who really trust in Christ will have the same characteristics as the gospel they will be bearing fruit and increasing that's what he says in verse 10 he says i'm praying that you get this spiritual wisdom and understanding so you will live in a way that's pleasing to god and so that you will what you will bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god god wants us as individuals to be bearing fruit, he wants us to be producing. He wants us to 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 uh, uh, to be producing, that's giving fruit, and to be growing. Those those are those are two different things, but they're they're two important things in our lives. You have to ask yourself: Am I growing in Him? Growing in the knowledge of Him, not just expanding my head with knowledge, but growing in my relationship of understanding Christ and honoring him in my life so that others can can, can see the impact of Christ through me. Then he asked for the second thing, verse 11. You may be strengthened. That you have strength. What's the purpose of this strength? that we need in our lives. Two words to describe it in verse 11. Endurance and patience. God wants his believers to be strong so that they might endure and they might have patience. Endurance and patience are connected. Endurance means you'll be able to go through the challenges that you're sure to face. You will be able to 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 trust in God in those circumstances and honor Him in it. Not necessarily escape them, but to endure everything that God has uh, that, that He allows you to experience. What does it mean to endure? It means to, to keep in your faith and keep your faith about you as you experience these things. To continue living as a testimony for God as you experience these kind of things. And some of the things aren't pleasant. And some of them aren't good. And some of them we're tempted to just walk away and we're tempted to say, hey, that's it. I can't live for the Lord. No, I ain't coming to church no more. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But he says, no, I'm praying that you be strengthened so that you can endure these kind of challenges, and then as you endure, you'll be patient. Patience has to do with continuing to, to hope for what it is we hope for without giving up and, 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 and to keep on. So we endure uh, 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 living faithfully. We, 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 uh, 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 we're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ and his return and the ultimate reward for, for uh, our faith. And we don't give up. We, we continue living and, and being faithful in that. So he says, verse 11, you may be strengthened. He describes with all power, according to his glorious might. So it's not a strength that we can uh, get from anywhere else or anyone else but God himself. For all endurance and patience, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life in light, um, he, he ends this with some, some very significant things. He says, he has qualified you. I think about how unqualified I am. How I am um, not worthy to be a representative of God. And yet he says, I've qualified you. And, and that's an act of his grace. I have, I have done this to you and for you, and so I've qualified you. You know, we, we talk about in, in verse 10 where he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. None of us are worthy to, 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 to receive the things that God has given us, but he's called us to walk in a manner that is in keeping with that. See, it's not something that, that we uh, uh, pat ourselves on the back for having, but we recognize that he has, in fact, qualified us for living a life that's pleasing to him. Walk in a worthy manner. Then he says in verse, we just talk about who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. It's not that we deserve it. We don't deserve it. But he has done something to us in given us life and given us faith. He has brought us into himself. It's his doing that gives us the benefit of all these things. What else has he done for us? Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Why does God then want me to walk in a way that's worthy uh, of him? Why does he want me to live a life? He says, I have given you victory. I've given you the things that you need to to fight the challenges and the sin that you face. Um, And see, I have delivered you, he says, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Without him doing that, there's no way that we could have a successful uh, um, uh, battle against the darkness and against the sin that we face. But he's made that possible. He ends by saying, you have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He's saying, I've forgiven you of your sins. Christ has paid for my sin, and all my sin is paid for, and I am forgiven. We need to take some time and really appreciate what God has done for us in in doing that. We need to to meditate and to take that in, that my sin— has been laid on the Lord Jesus Christ and He has paid for it all. I don't bear any of that of, of that shame and of that sin uh, of that sin. He has taken it all on himself. He says, with this, we have redemption. Redemption means that we have been purchased, we've been bought, we've been paid for. By the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So He says, the gospel is doing what God intended for it to do. It is bearing fruit and it is increasing. It has come to us. There is some human person that God has sent into our life to declare the gospel to us, and He's brought us into relationship with God the Father, and now he calls us to live a life that's pleasing to him and to do that by the very uh, uh, um, means that God has made for us, by giving us of his power to live a life that's pleasing to him, to live a life that glorifies him. He gives us the strength. And he he simply ends by giving thanks that we're qualified, that we have been taken from the world of darkness and into, into God's, into Christ's kingdom, that we've been forgiven of our sins and that Christ's blood is paid for all all of our sin and, and made the way for us that relationship with God the Father Father we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to us we thank you Lord for those characteristics that describe true believers having a love for other believers a love for you have been impacted by the gospel growing and increasing then Lord we pray as Paul has prayed that we would be strengthened that we would show forth that endurance and that patience in our lives that we would show in our lives lives that are pleasing to you. We would ask, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts of anything that is not pleasing to you, that you would enable us to live in a manner that brings glory to you. We pray, Lord, that we will be a testimony for you The gospel will go out through each of us. We take advantage of the opportunities as we interact with others who are not saved. That we will speak and live in a way that communicates the gospel to them that they might come and trust Christ as Lord and Savior as well. We might be those human agents like Epaphras was and how Someone ministered in, to us in our lives and we might minister in our lives to others. And so we submit ourselves as servants to you. Recognizing, Lord, that we are sinful. We need to be cleansed. But you will use us. And we just pray, Lord, that we will submit. You be Lord in our lives. We will be your willing servants, walking in obedience to you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to commit themselves to you, needs that forgiveness of sins, payment for their sin, needs to trust in Christ today. If there's anyone here today that needs to ask for forgiveness and to walk and live in obedience to you. We pray that you would touch their hearts to turn to you, to cry out to you, to call out to you, to rest and to trust in you and in you alone. We pray this now in Jesus' name.